I think change is hard. So maybe that's one thing that keeps me where I am. I know change will come. I just don't know if it'll be next year or in three or four years. This is Bethany talking about how she knows that she needs to make some change happen in her career. She also will discuss in this interview the need to advocate for yourself, have a good friend to voice your struggles to and ask for advice. And she also has a small request for administrators, not just in her district, but for administrators around the country. This is episode five. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hey, Burned In Teachers, welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast, one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. Today, I'm really excited to share with you the interview that I have with a teacher named Bethany. She's been teaching for 25 years, and she has a lot of great wisdom to share with us. Let's listen in. Hey, Burned In Teachers, I'm so excited to welcome today's guest. Her name is Bethany, and she is a teacher from Georgia. And she is actually a Burned In Teacher Facebook member in our private Facebook group. So I've been interacting with Bethany off and on for about a month or two, and she has been extremely active in our group. So I'm so excited to actually get to see her face here as we record our interview and hear her voice. So welcome to the show, Bethany. I'm so glad you're here. Me too. Thanks for inviting me. So can you tell us a little bit, Bethany, about your teaching experience? Well, I've taught in two states. I've taught in Georgia most of my career, but I started my career in North Carolina in the town I grew up in. So I actually went to um, started teaching with teachers who taught me. Um, And it was a real um, positive experience, but also a very sheltered experience. And then I married um, a man in the military and we moved to Georgia. And I, my first job was in inner city school, which was um, a big shock that I had no background knowledge for and failed miserably that first year. Um, But took some classroom management classes, got a lot of support, um, did some um, workshops on inner city school kids and slowly began to grow as a teacher. Um, I also didn't have anybody there to catch me when I fell. So I was forced to, you know, get on my feet and go forward. I knew I wanted to teach and um, didn't want to give up at that time. I've taught 25 years total. um, And most of those have been in the inner city school of Savannah or around the Chatham County school system of Savannah. Wow. That's quite a story. (laughs) I've taught first, second, third, and fourth. Wow. All right. So you and I have that in common. First, second, and third is what I have taught. I taught six months of Mm -hmm. fifth grade, but um, that was very, very early on. So I actually want to back up 25 years because I have a couple Mm -hmm. of questions about that. Can you tell me a little bit more? You said you failed miserably. What does failed miserably look like for you? I was not prepared for the situation I went into. I was hired and placed in a second grade classroom by the district 
at that time, the principal of that school was fairly new. I think I was there her second year and very um, controlling. She was an excellent principal to her students and the parents of the school. She was not to the teachers of the school. It was a very stressful thing, but that wasn't really why I failed. I really failed because I just didn't have the background knowledge. I was used to teaching a very structured reading program and math program in North Carolina, and then went to a very whole language program and centers. I had never taught centers. And I was kind of thrown into it with no support. Back then, there wasn't really a mentor program like there is today in most schools to support new teachers. The assistant principal was my life savior. She, I could go in her room and cry, and I did often. And she gave me tips on how to make it through the day and those sort of things. Um, I asked the principal for help in October, so fairly soon after getting in the program, and did not get any. By April, she was telling me I could not have a transfer, and if I made one mistake the following year, I'd be fired on the spot. (laughs) So it was a pretty stressful situation. Before April, I had already signed up for a classroom management course at a local university. But I think a lot of it was my coddled background in North Carolina, where I just didn't have, I didn't have to worry about anything. I knew the parents of the kids I taught because I grew up with them. Uh, The teachers that I had taught me. There was really no failing. Um, And in this situation, I had never dealt with children whose parents were in prison for murder, whose parents were not even anywhere to be found. Or I had a child that came to me and would say he hadn't seen his mom in two or three days because she had drugs, doing drugs somewhere. They just had a really, really, really rough situation. And um, that was a lot for me with no background in that to help them. I didn't have the background knowledge to help them. Um, I also had to have 10 centers in my classroom that the state came in and checked. I'd never taught centers. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it was a lot. It was a lot of very, very different. So you said after you took the classroom management workshop Mm -hmm. that you began to see some growth in yourself And so how long did it take you to feel like you were, and I mean, teachers never really feel like they're 100% on top of it, but how long did it take you to actually feel like you were progressing in your classroom management skills for those students? Well, after I had the meeting with her in April, I went above her and went downtown and ended up talking to the director of human resources at that time. And I told her, you know, I'd signed up for the inner city school uh, workshop. I had signed up for the um, classroom management. I did not want to stop teaching. I was willing to do whatever I could to teach, but I needed help. And I wasn't getting it where I was. She moved me to another school. And she, the principal of that school was a very nurturing, loving principal. And that's where with all the combination of things I had, that's where I started to say, I got this. This is why I love teaching again. This is where I'm supposed to be. I am so, so glad that you told us that because that's something that I have noticed in my experience too with burnout is that 
a move in grade level or a move to a different building, even in the same corporation, can make a world of difference. So that's what you experienced mm-hmm. as well. So do you still teach? And yes. forgive me if you already said this, but do you still mm-hmm. teach in the same corporation? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. And do you still teach for the same yes. principal? Nope. No. Um, my husband being military, we left. Um, I taught four years in the county, and then we left and came back two years later. And then I taught in another school, or another school, and then we left and came back. <laughs> and the, the, after the returning the second time, um, he retired. And so I've been at this school for 17 years. Okay. All which right. is the longest I've been at anywhere. <laughs> so have you seen a change in the students in those 17 years, or has it remained about the same? The um, socioeconomic levels of the children have stayed the same. They wanted their children to be successful, but didn't know how to do it. So they sent them to us to do that, and they had our back. That part has changed. Parents don't really want to be bothered. In general, there is a take on teachers. Um, They don't want us calling them anymore. They don't, you know, want us bothered. Homework isn't looked at as important anymore. And the children themselves have changed where they feel, you know, um, this really isn't that important. And I want to do what I want to do, not what you want me to do. So there's the culture of the school has changed, but not the socioeconomics. I can definitely see that pattern not just happening in your school that you currently are in, but I've, I've heard that from several other teachers as well. And I experienced that myself as a teacher. So my next question has to do with burnout. So you clearly have experienced burnout probably close to the end of that first year when you were told if you make one more mistake that you would be fired on the spot. Am I correct in assuming that? Yes. Yes. I cried every day on the way to school and every day on the way home from school. (laughs) So, and I, I can definitely relate to that as well, but it sounds like you took some serious initiative and took care of yourself there and advocated for yourself. And that did that take care of the burnout for a few years then? Yes, absolutely. I have loved teaching. Um, I've, put my whole heart in teaching and love. I, I love struggling children. I love the children that are, that need the help. Um, the bad children, the whatever children, you know, I'm, I'm always like, give them to me. I got them, you know, um, I've taught inclusion classes for many, many years. Um, the last three, four years, I have not had inclusion. I have asked not to have them. Um, mainly because I've, I've, I have started that, that burned out feeling. Um, I don't always put it, I was thinking about that the other day, it's not really just the children or just the parents. Our culture as a school system has changed also, where I feel like we are not respected as educators, as professionals, as people that have a master's degree in literacy and curriculum, and I'm told what to do, when to do it, how long to do it, how to teach it, how to grade it. And the things that I'm not doing according to their their view of how it should be done, where I've been extremely successful in teaching children and made great test scores, was recognized by the district and got stipends for having high test scores and stuff like that. And I don't teach to the test. I believe if you teach a child, they can do any test. If you teach a test, they can only do that test. The micromanaging of it, the importance of test scores. I told my principal a couple of years ago 
not necessarily a reflection on her, but that maybe she just needed to let go of me and go some get somebody that she could hire as a facilitator that could she could hire that made a lot less money than I do. Not that I make a lot, but uh, you know somebody off the street that could read a script and facilitate because obviously my degree is not respected. And um, that's kind of how a lot of teachers in our area feel is that we're not respected as educators, as professionals. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to that. So you said a couple of years ago that you addressed this with your administrator. What did she say? She said that she hoped that she didn't make me feel that way. And that was not how she saw me. I said, but that's how I feel, you know, and she's like, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not how you should feel. And I'm like, but that is how I feel. And and nothing was really done to change that. I have asked to have grade level changes. I've asked to be, we have a gifted pullout program. I've asked to be one of the gifted pullout teachers. I was passed over for that. I asked to have a STEM teacher that we thought was going to transfer. I'm science endorsed and gifted endorsed. She ended up not transferring, but I'm the only other science endorsed teacher in our school. But it seems like no matter what I say, I'm not given that chance for that change. There's always a reason why I can't change. And so um, several teachers have left our school in the last three years and gone to another district. And they're like, come over here, Bethany, come do this. But really, they're facing the same sort of things. The things, they're not, they're not any better when I talk to them. They're having some of the same problems, just in a different location. Me changing schools, it's not where I am right now. As far as that, if I'm going to change, it's going to be changing of professions, not change, not going to a different school that has the same problems. Yeah. So what is your plan of action? I mean, clearly your current reality is not what you wish that it would be. And you've taken some action and tried to, to solve that. So, mm-hmm. so what is your plan of action if things don't change? Will you try another district or will you plan on actually leaving the profession? I pr- prefer to leave the profession instead of going to another district. I'm, I'm towards the end of my career in Georgia. We can retire at 30. Mm-hmm. Um, at 25. I contemplate every year because I can actually take an early retirement at 25. My husband and I are trying to make sure that our finances are like we want them before, you know, I walk away from this. And um, part of me, I still love teaching. So, I, I mean, I love the act of a child learning. It's just the other people that control that that are making me want to walk away. In your opinion, where does the main problem lie? In the administration, not just my building, but the district, whole district one. So if you could Um, sit all of your administrators from your entire district around a table and have an honest and respectful conversation with them, what is it that you would say? Let us be teachers. Um, We have a degree. We know what we're doing. Yes, brand new teachers need a lot of support, but we have a mentor program in place that is really good. New teachers are mentored for the first three years, and it's done very, very well. Um, But I I think our district, um, we call it a lot of chasing the train, the next train that comes down the track. So we tend to jump programs. Oh, this is this will be the fix. They're looking for that quick fix. They don't either. They don't stay with it long enough or it's, they jumped on the fast train that ended up not working anyway. But they don't respect us. And they say they do, but we don't feel respected. We, um, we feel like the test score and that data-driven life 
so outweighs what we say. And I've taught 25 years. I mean, we, we I've seen this pendulum come and go, pendulum come and go, pendulum come and go. You know, it just, you see these things happen over and over again. They just give it another title and you're like, we're, for example, balanced literacy. We did balanced literacy. 10 years ago, we did balanced literacy. Mm-hmm. Parts of it were good. Parts of it were not. We're right back in, back in balanced literacy again. And the same issues are happening that happened 10 years ago. But they don't listen to the classroom teacher about that. Have administrators above, you know, the principal position, have they been made aware of the teacher's feelings? The only reason I ask this is because several times when I've talked to teachers and I've asked them, you know, what their principal thinks or, you know, their their superintendent, they sometimes make assumptions. Have you talked to them? Yes, through certain levels of it. Um, our district hires 400 teachers every year. Wow. We have 400 teachers the next year that need to be hired. So we don't have 400 teachers retiring every year. We're not that big. So why are these teachers leaving? You know, and it's because of the burnout, they lack of support. Some of the younger teachers, I think they, they have a different um, outlook on what education should be compared to what we had 25 years ago. They feel like this is sometimes just a stepping stone. I'm, I, you know, I, I can do this, but I don't have to do this. I can go do other things. But I, I don't see very many teachers going into it for the 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to do this until I find something better. That has really affected because they really struggle. And they're like, I don't have to do this for this money. I'm going somewhere else. The young teachers that are coming in or new teachers to the program have a different outlook than what I had 25 years ago or teachers like me that have you know been in it for a long time. They look at it as... Um, a temporary job or a job that they're not planning on being in for 30 years. And they will tell you, I'm not doing this for 30 years. I'm just doing this until something better comes along, Um, which I think a lot of um, the 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds have that kind of outlook of this is a a temporary spot. I'm getting my experience and moving on to something better. So I think a, a lot of the teachers that leave are those types of teachers that are leaving because of that, that outlook that they have. But we're also losing a huge number of teachers that have taught, you know, 17, 18, 19, 25 years like me that are saying, I'm done. I don't have to do this. The retirement's really good, but it's not worth my health. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your position has affected your health? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I have high blood pressure. I have a retina occlusion in my eye, which is caused by stress. It's um, caused, caused by the hardening of arteries in your eyes which is caused by stress. What do you do to relieve that stress? Do you have any hobbies that you continually partake in? Yes, I, I paddleboard. That's one of my, I don't paddle as much as I want to, but we um, have a girlfriend who's also a teacher and that's our stress reliever together. I also have um, the same girlfriend. We talk every morning. Um, she's one of the teachers that left the district and went to another district. Um, And we talk every morning on the way to school and we kind of vent with each other and talk through situations on how to help each other. And, Mm -hmm. but we're also good personal friends. So we have that part of it as well. Do you feel like that is something that helps to keep you in the classroom? At times, sometimes it's not enough, although, you know, we're really good friends and she's always there for me. There's days when it's not enough. 
mm-hmm. that I step back and go, I just don't know. I don't know if this is ever going to be enough. And then there's other days where I'm like, okay, today was pretty good. I think I can go on a little bit longer, you know, so it's just, it just depends on when that road ends. <laughs> so if you could wave a magic wand and feel like you could stay for that next five years, what do you feel would be that magic solution? Leave me alone. Let me do my job. I know how to teach. I have proven records of that. I don't have bad observations or evaluations or anything like that. I, I mean, you understand somebody that is struggling. I've seen teachers struggle, but I don't have that. You know, mm-hmm. focus your energy on the people that are struggling, and it, you can't use a blanket to fix all problems. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes what I think happens is that they choose one thing, oh, we're going to fix it by this, and then everybody has to be fallen under the same blanket, which that doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know. They all don't need the same thing. Just like a child doesn't, all, all children don't need the same way of being taught. I would have to definitely agree with you on that piece of advice. Let's say that there's a new teacher entering your district or the profession at all, okay, who doesn't have the, the mindset of, I don't have to do this. I can go do something else. Let's say this is a young man or young woman who this is all they've ever wanted to do and they're struggling with burnout. What advice would you give them as a teacher of 25 years? Find somebody to talk to. I have some of those that I already talk to on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And although sometimes I feel very burned out, I try not to push that on them. Realize what they're in control of and what they're not in control of, which sometimes I don't listen to myself. (laughs) But um, I try to make them realize that and that you need to just focus on what your job is. And um, as long as you're doing your job, unless you're doing something really bad, our our district has not filled all their 400 places. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to fire somebody just because they're having a bad day. You know, is what can you do to make yourself better? How can you help yourself? And we're always here to help each other. And I use the word breathe with them a lot. I'll text them, breathe. It's okay, Mm -hmm. breathe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that was going to be my next question. So what do you feel is in your control? Probably a lot more than I give myself credit for. I know I could walk. It's kind of scary to walk and go into something new, but I've already pondered what I would do for that. I'm slowly working towards getting Google certified with a, you know, maybe it will take you into another avenue. Years of military, I worked for a publishing company as as a consultant, a per diem consultant part-time for eight years. Even while I taught, I had really good principles supporting that. So I know I could go back into something like that if I needed to. But part of me doesn't want to. Financially, part of it me wants to stay because it's a big pay cut to leave at 25 as compared to 30. And you think that's for life, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that pay cut. And then um, part of me still has those days that that light bulb goes off in that child or you see them learn and you're like, this is why I'm here. (laughs) So it's a lot of torn feelings about it. Have you sat down and written down pros and cons? Yes. (laughs) To staying or leaving? I did my three days or my, what was it? The week challenge we did this summer. Mm -hmm. And I came up with my word is change. And my goal is to change location, mindset, and my future. Location, we are talking about moving from this area. So I know our location will eventually change. It's just when. Mm -hmm. Um, Mindset, I'm working on. I feel like I'm I'm trying to be more at peace and letting things go and not getting totally 
freaked out or stressed out. Mm-hmm. But I, in the future, I'm looking at. Even if I go to 30 years, I'm going to have to do something part-time just because I'm an A personality and can't. I don't sit around very well. <laughs> so I'm going to have to do something anyway. So I'm looking at what the future will bring. And I'm slowly, I'm, I'm pondering all of those things mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the best avenue. So we had talked to um, a real estate agent who's a friend of mine a couple of years ago, especially at the beginning of my really burned out stage. What, what would we have to do to our house to get it ready to sell? Because we were talking about moving to Florida, a different mm-hmm. state and different beginning. And um, she never got back to me. Well, she called me tonight and she said, so are you still thinking about selling your house? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> is this signs. a sign? <laughs> yeah, signs for sure. And you already have that you know, in your mind, you know, you have your word of the Mm -hmm. year, which is change. And if you're Mm -hmm. curious about what I'm talking about, listeners, um, over the summer, we as a Facebook group, we did our word of the year. So if you join our Facebook group, and you back up through videos and go all the way back to my goodness, what was it June, June or July? Yes. Yes. Um, so that's what Bethany is referring to. And I'm so glad that you brought that up as something that you're keeping in the back of your mind, because it's stuff like this that happens that reminds you that you are taking action. It might be slow action, but it's action in general. I'm, I'm really excited for the things to come for you, Bethany, because, you know, these darkest periods of our career and our personal lives, they sometimes lead us to the brightest, So I really, I hope that you keep looking for those signs and you keep looking for ways to keep yourself burned in for as long as you decide to do this. I'm, I am. And I, I know that change will come. I think change is hard. So maybe that's one thing that keeps me where I am. I know change will come. I just don't know if it'll be next year or in three or four years, but I know it's going to happen. Trying to prepare myself financially and our home and my career for the next path. Yeah. So until that change comes, just like I always tell everybody in the group, Mm -hmm. take a deep breath. You're in control of more than what you believe that you are and be your own hero. No one's going to come save you. So I'm so excited that you are already have those changes in mind for yourself. I appreciate it. I hear you talking to me when I get flustered at school and I'm like, okay, remember I'm in control. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. I'm so glad you joined us tonight, Bethany. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your solution to some of the burnout issues that you've had. All right. Thank you. I so enjoyed my time talking to Bethany. And as someone who only taught for 12 years compared to 25, I had a lot of key takeaways and tips from this conversation. First of all, always advocate for yourself. When someone makes you feel uncomfortable and says things that you feel are inappropriate or threatening, Don't be afraid to go to their boss and make it known that you want what's best for you and your students. The next takeaway was definitely the need to have someone in your life who you can talk to that understands how difficult and stressful teaching is. I'm so glad that she remembered to remind us how important those friends are. I loved what Bethany said, and I'm going to quote her. You can't use a blanket to solve all problems. We don't need the same thing just like children don't need the same way of being taught. Teachers have their gifts and their talents, and she pleads with administrators to please let her do her job. And I know that she's not just talking about herself, but all professional educators. Let them use their talents and their love of teaching to make decisions that are best for their students. 
my final tip to you today from our conversation is to make a word of the year. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, jump into the private Burnt and Teacher Facebook group and go back to about June when I share what my word of the year was, which was growth. For Bethany, it was change. She's taking action and noticing things about her life that she has control over. And she's thinking very, very carefully about what her next move is. And sometimes that's all we can do. Sometimes change is necessary. And she's right. It's scary and it's hard. But if you do it, I guarantee that you're going to come out of the other side being glad that you did. I'll see you next week for another dose of support and inspiration. Until then, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step towards becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on. 